Welcome to the Ambedkar Initiative podcast series, in which students at Columbia University discuss their research on B.R. Ambedkar, a Columbia alum and one of the 20th century's foremost thinkers on caste and democracy. I'm Anupama Rao, director of the Ambedkar Initiative and professor of history. In this episode, Tommy Song speaks with Augustus O'Connor about one of Ambedkar's important texts, Castes in India, Their Mechanism, Genesis, and Development, which was written in 1916 as a seminar paper for a course in anthropology. Tommy and Gus are recent graduates of Columbia College, where Tommy studied history and Gus studied English. Um, So first of all, Gus, how did you find out about Ambedkar, and why do you find him so interesting? Hey, Tommy. Um, I first encountered Ambedkar through a seminar with Professor Gayatri Spivak, where we uh, examined the work of Du Bois, Gramsci, and Ambedkar, um, all of whose work was invested in the role of imagination and particularly the inability to imagine the subaltern subject. And so we were also interested in questions of the local versus the national. So uh, that includes slavery, the Southern question, and caste, respectively. And uh, the seminar was deeply invested in globality and comparative work, as well as with a focus on reading practice. And so um, I I approached uh, Ambedkar through these two lenses, initially thinking about the ways in which he is in conversation uh, with other thinkers and writers in his texts and how exactly the text is performing and demonstrating certain arguments formally rather than just informationally with content. Um, So I've been working on annotating for this Ambedkar essay, the 1916 Castes in India, Uh, paying particularly close attention to the ways in which social biology and social anthropology have affected his thinking, uh, particularly in the development of caste section, uh, along with some related questions, which I can get into uh, in a bit. Okay, yeah, that would be fantastic. And so um, you have been annotating the Castes in India essay, which is complex and interdisciplinary in so many ways. And so um, in that essay, who exactly is Dr. Becker addressing and who is he writing for, do you think? Who is he writing to? Um, yeah. I, so I think um, speaking of comparative work and reading practices, audience is incredibly important and Embedker's writing in casts is, is no exception. Um, we should keep in mind the original context of this essay as well, which is the seminar on primitive and modern society with Alexander Goldenweiser. Uh, who is an anthropology professor who himself was a student of Boaz, who uh, who was, as you know, uh, the sort of the founder of the modern anthropological tradition in some ways. Um, and, and you would agree with that? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I would say so. Yeah, definitely. Because, um, you know, Boaz basically founded the discipline of cultural anthropology in America at a time when many scholars thought that biological race was real and could explain social difference and Boaz really challenged this, which, you know, during that time was revolutionary in many ways. Absolutely. And and I think um, that um, context is, is really important for uh, this essay in particular. Um, and, and, and Bedker delivered this essay at Columbia University in 1916 to a group of uh, university students who we can presume to be largely white, uh, male, and Columbia intellectuals. 
And so these fellow students, as his original audience, have a profound effect on the way he delivers his argument. Um, in the introduction to his paper, Embedker makes a few moves that keys us into the framing of the text. Uh, one move includes drawing a comparison between the, quote, glib tongue of the guide who takes visitors around an exotic site and his own project. So this accomplishes two things. First, he asserts his credibility as a, quote, native guide to the exotic institution of caste. And second, Embedker inserts himself into the larger academic genealogy of ethnographers and students of caste. He specifically references this genealogy a bit later in the essay where he not only brings in some contemporary ethnographers and students of caste, but also refutes their theories. And the subtext, which is of utmost importance, is that the author himself is a central part of this story, despite the fact that Embedker never approaches the system of caste from a personal or anecdotal standpoint. But you know, what is the glib tongue of the guide good for if not his intimate personal knowledge of his exhibit? So uh, Embedker himself becomes a part of the narrative and he himself uh, becomes exhibit A. And so this paper is also formed uh, as a form of entertainment, which adds another level of nuance to the way we can understand the essay. And it's important in this sense and relevant to his being the native guide and uh, of the institution of caste. Right. So considering all the different categories of evidence that Ambedkar uses in his essay, it seems like there are so many layers. It's not simply anthropological and it's not simply historical. So could you maybe say a little more about the broader implications of Ambedkar's position? As you know, the Exhibit A or the Native Guide or Expert on Caste. Uh, yeah, of course. Um, so... Uh, Embedker, who is coming from an untouchable background, is approaching the issue of caste as an insider, but also through the broader field of academia. And so what he's doing is conquering a, a field that he himself cannot make his own. Identity is hugely important then to this essay, though not in ways we might imagine in our uh, contemporary moment. So Embedker uh, never, for example, says you know, quote, as an untouchable, I can tell you um, so forth, so on and so forth. Um, rather, there is a muffling of his identity within, uh, within the anger and the visceral nature of his argument. Uh, and this move will fully blossom later in his Annihilation of Caste uh, in 1936. Um, but it is still present here, and it begs the larger question, how do subaltern subjects access the universal? And this question is made all the more complicated as we keep in mind that the subaltern subject itself is uh, never generalizable. Right. So it's almost as if Ambedkar, the writer, or Ambedkar, the person, is taking the backseat here. It, it, but it's almost like you can always sense him despite the fact that he's being silent on it. And... Um, Bedger seems to do this by making a rigorous theoretical argument. Yeah, I, th I think that's exactly right. And it's interesting because Bedger also does not have access to the archives. So could we maybe talk about form and and how like Bedger's text demonstrates or performs something in, in its very construction. Yeah, of course. So Embedker constructs his essay in these three parts, mechanism, genesis, and development, and he spends a great deal of time 
on mechanism and development, but hardly any time, only about one page out of the total 15 on the genesis of CAST. So um, the genesis section is really just a suturing of the two sections of the other two sections together. It's where the bottom drops out. Uh, Yosan Alemu is working on the mechanism section, and for this project, I'm really focusing on the development section, which I've mentioned earlier. And so I found that there is a distinct vocabulary being used in the development section of CAST. So Embedker starts the essay by museumizing CAST, using the glib tongue comment and the language of the fossil to establish the institution of CAST as worthy of inquiry. And he makes his way to the development section, and Bedker uses the vocabulary of the social sciences, specifically social biology, to further his argument. And so some key vocabulary to understand Bedker's adoption of social biology includes mimesis, imitation, and invention. Right. So um, you mentioned that he is using the vocabulary of the social sciences, specifically social biology. And so... Do you have a sense of where he is getting this vocabulary from? So he is linking social science with social biology? Yeah, and so uh, these terms that he took from French sociologist Gabriel Tard, who championed the idea that society formed through a series of interpersonal inventions, and Tard wrote in his famous uh, or his most well-known text, Laws of Imitation, that the social psychology of people's interactions bring about the social structures and change of that society. And so these interactions and inventions were specifically a rejection of Durkheim's theory of a division of labor. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Embedker claims that at some point in this hoary institution of caste, the Brahmins made a decision to close themselves off to the um, <clears throat> the the system of endogamy, at which point every lower strata of society imitated the Brahmin custom, eventually resulting in the massive and complex institution of caste. Um, right. The reason why the lower strata of society imitated the Brahmins brings us back to the idea of mimesis, a term taken from biology to mean mimicry by one species of another toward the ultimate goal of protection and self-preservation. And so caste becomes then a sort of camouflage and imitation and a form of protective discoloration for vulnerable communities. Mm -hmm. And so caste is a machine Uh, that then is constantly innovating and reproducing itself, adhering to an organizing logic that conscripts everyone. And in this way, caste is itself a social organism. And so, and Bedker's embrace of TARD is is really significant for two reasons. Uh, First, it frames caste as a human-constructed institution rather than a religious maxim imposed and inherited from above. Second, it allows for the possibility that the institution can be changed. And so these two aspects of Embedker's thinking, which originate in this essay um, and also play a much larger role in his later annihilation of caste, are, are, are hugely important. Right. So he is really commenting on the fact that, as you said, caste is a social organism, yet it is also something that there is, you know, artificiality. Yeah, absolutely. Those two exist in tandem. Right. And Ambedkar sounds really ahead of his time. By using the language of social biology and mimesis, 
Could you maybe comment a little bit more on that? Yeah, uh, and he totally is ahead of his time. I mean, this whole idea of imitation anticipates the later idea of Sanskritization popularized by a man, uh, Srinivas, who devotes uh, the process of lower castes imitating rituals and practices of higher castes to achieve social mobility. Um, But in... Srinivas's theory, he never thinks of the psychic life of caste and the resulting violence done to the mind as a result of caste, but Embedkar always does. Uh, we can see that the psychic life of caste is actually demonstrated in Embedkar's writings. And so by the time he writes Annihilation of Caste, um, this idea will be fully elaborated and uh, this sort of practice uh, as well, particularly in reference to his theory of the ascending scale of reverence and descending scale of contempt within the caste system. And we also have to understand that Embedker is making a claim on knowledge production and that there is an insurgent nature of the machine that he himself is building um, and that he is also you know, an innovator of thought and he's melding content and form in a way that not only tells you about this infamous institution, but actually uh, brings you to hell and back. Um, mm. And so it, it's, it's really um, <clears throat> incredibly important stuff he's doing, uh, needless to say. Absolutely, and I definitely agree with that. Um, and even today, his texts are so powerful and relevant because he asks us to see caste as a form of power. And... Um, yeah, that was such a great conversation. Thank you so much, Gus. I really appreciate it. Um, so I wish we could do this some other day again. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me, Tommy. <laughs>